7 this evening. It's been a good ride through Genesis. We're learning a lot. We've come a long way. Um, can we have some light? Let there be light. We paid the electricity bill. We got light. Uh, God's promises don't depend on our ability to perform, but uh, on his ability to produce results as he desires. His promises don't depend on our ability to perform. Um, being at the hospital and watching people die from time to time, and watching loved ones grieve over what they could have done differently or what they could have said, not knowing if that father or mother or grandmother or grandfather has gone on to be with the Lord or not, you know, People getting into heaven is not contingent upon us. God knows those who are his, and he will perform those things that need to be done, even if we fail. He will produce the results that he wants to produce as he desires. And he uses us to partner with him, but let's not mistake who's ultimately doing the work here. God is doing the work. It is him working through us. John chapter 15, verse 16, Jesus said this, You have not chosen me, but I've chosen you. Amen? Amen. You know, that's a great thing. You thought that you, you, thought that you, you found Jesus Christ. You thought that you, that you uh, came to him, and, and, and the, when he opened up the door, uh, uh, you know, you walked through, and you, you, you found him. But you know what? He, he, found, he knew about you a long time ago. And he says, You didn't choose me, but I've chosen you, and I've appointed you, and... In the Amplified, and I have planted you that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing and that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain and abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name as, a, uh, um, as presenting all that I am, he may give it to you. And so fruitfulness is something that goes along with being a believer in Christ. I think God has called all of his people to be fruitful. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean big because in America we think we... we uh, uh, we, we think about fruitfulness and we think about largeness, not God. Fruit, fruitfulness is really uh, not based on the size, but it's based on the obedience and it's based on most of the things that no one even ever sees. It's faithfulness, not size. And so all of us are called to be fruitful. And yet, if we're going to be fruitful, Psalm 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. So if we're going to produce, God has chosen us and he has appointed us that we might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing fruit, but it's the Lord who builds the house. And if we try to produce fruit on our own, it won't last. It won't have any eternal meaning to it. Um, and it's not, the, uh, it's not what we're able to do in Jesus' name that counts. But it's what he's able to do through us that really matters. Psalm 57, 2 says, I will cry to God most high, to God who accomplishes all things for me, King David says. And so, Father, accomplish your will here in this place tonight. You already have. Thank you for a special time of worship and a special time of prayer. And now, Lord God, that you would just speak by your Holy Spirit through your word. I'm in agreement with everything that's already been prayed in this place. And the prayer for this moment, even that you, as your word goes forth, that we would receive it and that you would do something within us that's different than when we walked in the door. Lord, that just by the simple fact of, of two or more gathered together, you said you would be there. Your manifested presence would be here. 
And Lord, so we are thankful for that, and we look forward to your Holy Spirit speaking and giving us understanding of your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, chapter 25, verse 23, just as a way of reminder, uh, I want you to remember it says in Genesis, the Lord speaking before um, uh, Isaac and Esau were born, and it says, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples shall be separated from your body, and one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And we talked about the significance of that because that went against what culturally happened. It gave a, a greater blessing to the firstborn. That was going to be reversed for whatever reason. God's choosing, his election was to change things upside down in, in this particular category. Okay, now verse 28 says this. It says, now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. All right, and you get this idea that there are schisms in the family. There's sort of um, uh, favoritism. Favoritism is never a good thing. I watched a commercial last night. I don't even know what it was for, uh, but it was a, it was a pa two parents sitting on a couch and their their teenage daughter sitting on another couch. And she goes, "Why don't you just say it? Just say it." And, and the parents go, okay, we love your brother more than you. And she gets up and th takes some vase and smashes it against the thing and walks out. <laughs> and I, it was kind of funny. I said, Don, you got to see this. This is hilarious. And Don looked at it. She didn't laugh at all. She was like, what's the point? I said, uh, well, I just thought it was funny, you know. Because, but you know what, though? That's what happens when you play favorites. You know, I mean, you know, why can't you be like your brother? And how come you're not as smart? And, you, boy, you just can't do that. You know, and, uh, and so anyway, there's favoritism in the house, all right, and we're going to see that because that always, um, that always multiplies in ways that are not good. You know, it always multiplies in ways that are not good. You know, in my family, I was my father's favorite simply because he just wanted a boy. That's it. He wanted a boy, and he wanted someone named after him, and you know what? <laughs> I mean, I, I, it was almost as if, not quite, but it was almost as if I could do no wrong. And, and, and you know what? It wasn't like that for my sister. It wasn't like that. And it wasn't good. It was not good. It was not good. Anyway, we'll see that played out here. So we're in Genesis chapter 27, verse 1 through 4. And um, uh, if you would, um, Jacob is, is setting things in order. He's setting things in order. It says, now it came about when, uh, uh, Isaac rather, when Isaac was old, everybody say old, <laughs> and his eyes were too dim to see, so he's, uh, he's getting up there, uh, he's old and he's too dim to see, that he called his older son Esau and said to him, my son, and he said to him, here I am. And Isaac said, behold now, I am old and I do not know the day of my death. Now then, please take your gear, your quiver, your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. And prepare a savory dish for me, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, so that my soul may bless you before I die. Okay. Uh, remember what we just read in the previous chapter. Anyway, uh, during the 23 years he was president of the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Dr. William Culbertson, I don't know if it's any relation, um, frequently asked at, at the close of his public prayers, he would ask, uh, Lord, help us to end well. And he did end well. 
But you know what? That's not so for everyone in the Bible. Can you give me some examples of some guys or gals who started great but did not end so well? Anybody at all? Give me some examples. King Saul. That, that, that one's the first one that comes to mind, right? Who else? Uh, Adam and Eve. Yeah, that's a good thing. Think of that. Yeah, they started off real good, right? Day or two later, bam, right? All 12 disciples start, started Right, right. In glory. <laughs> In glory. Who, I heard another name. What? Judas. Boy, did he start off well. Man, you talk about your next elected official. That was Judas. Well, turns out. Anyone else? Those are all good names. Any names from Genesis that we've already talked about? Well, well that's Exodus, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Kind of ended not well, but it's still good though. <laughs> yeah, but but I get your point. Yep. Never made it to the promised land, <laughs> right? Right. Cain uh, didn't do so good. Don't know how he started. Maybe he started well, but certainly certainly didn't end up well. How about Lot? Right. Remember Lot? Right. He started off well. Abraham's right hand guy. Right. Abraham's nephew. Man, Lot. You know, Abraham, wherever you go, I'm going with you, man. Like Ruth said, right? She recognized the blessing of Naomi and said, wherever you go, I'm going. Well, Lot wanted his own. It all went up in smoke in Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, now listen, when King David was going to die, what did he do? He made arrangements for what? For the temple to be built. When Abraham was going to die, what did he do? He made arrangements for Isaac's wife, if you remember that. Paul, when he was getting ready to die, he, ins he, was ins he inspired the, the young Timothy to preach the word and to guard the faith that was once for all trusted to him. Okay? Uh, someone has well said, the end of life reveals the ends of life. The end of life reveals the ends of life. P.T. Barnum was dying, uh, and, 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 and he asked this question, what were the receipts today? Napoleon, he was dying, and he said, army, head of the army. The naturalist Henry David Thoreau was dying, and he said, moose and Indian. I don't know. He's a naturalist. I, I don't know. Okay. Isaac is dying, or he thinks he is, and he wants what? What? He wants some venison, man. He wants a pot of that stew. It's just compar comparison, right? He's thinking, you know what? I don't know how much long I got. I need stew. All right? He believes that his time has come. Actually, he's going to live 43 more years. And you know what? You never know when your time's going to come. You know, there are people when they say, the doctors say, you know what? This doesn't look good. I'll get your affairs in order. And they live, you know, 20 years later, you know? Uh, uh, people get a second chance of life, you know, and, and, and you just never know. People have been in hospice, and they've walked right out of that hospice, and, uh, and others haven't. But, but, but we know this, that 10 people out of 10, we're going to cross that finish line called death. And I think it's a good idea to live on purpose today so that th those things are already in order when that time comes. It's a good idea to live on purpose today so that when that time comes and 
you, at least Isaac thinks it's coming soon. He doesn't know it's going to be 43 more years, but sometimes that day comes and we don't expect it. So we can live today with that day in mind. Hebrews 9.27 says, For it's been appointed for man once to die, and then the judgment. And the word there is appointed. That means everyone has an appointment with death. All of us do. Psalm 90, verse 12, says this, Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. In other words, teach us that life is like a vapor or a mist. Uh, your translation of Psalm 90, 12 may say, Teach us, O Lord, to number our days. Why? So that we may grow in wisdom for today. Because if we live knowing that our days are numbered, we will live with wisdom, or we should live with wisdom today. Okay? All right. Now, here we go. Isaac insists on transferring the blessing to his son Esau. All right? Uh, he, for both do, this is his favorite. And, you know, he got, he, he, we know what happened to the birthright, if you were with us, I think, two weeks ago, when the birthright, you know, he... Interestingly enough, Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of lentil stew. Now here's Isaac for a bowl of stew. He wants to bless this boy. He's already lost his birthright. Esau has married pagan women. He has no regard for God. And he seems to be a man of the flesh and for whatever reason, Isaac is glorifying his son Esau and wanting to pass on to him title deed to the blessing. The birthright contained the blessing, and the blessing was, was, the, was the, the blessing of being in the lineage of the Messiah. And he wants to bless him with that. He wants to bless him with land. He wants to bless him with, with pros, uh, 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 heritage and children and prosperity and that one day, as you promised Abraham and he promised Isaac, the Messiah would come through them. We have no indication that Esau it, it has a heart for God. He seems to be everything but that. He seems to be a man of the flesh. And is Isaac glorifying his son's hunting abilities? Is he glorifying his cooking habits? Is it really all about a meal? Because it's already been stated that the blessing would go to Jacob. The Lord has already said that. I mean, the older... The, the, old, the, younger would not, uh, the older would not serve the younger if he would not receive the blessing. The blessing was going to go to the younger, just like the birthright was. And we saw how Jacob uh, uh, you know, purchased and swindled his brother out of the, really not swindled. He just said, all right, I tell you, you give me the, birth, uh, the birthright and I'll give you a bowl of stew. He said, fine, I don't care. And we see that he despised the birthright. All right. Favoritism is never a good thing in a family. And here's another thing. Why is he doing this secretly? If you were going to confer the blessing onto your son, wouldn't you want to do that publicly? Wouldn't you want all, all the sons and everybody and the, your servants and, and I'll publicly do it? But he does it quietly. And I don't, it doesn't say, but it just makes me wonder, does he, does he know what he's doing is not right? But maybe he wants to get this done. You know what, son? Run out and give me something. We're going to confer this blessing real quick. Let me ask you this. Who's was the blessing to give God's. It was God's to give. Now what's going to happen? Can you see it? Abraham, Isaac, Esau. Oh, my goodness. They're going to rewrite the rest of, of Genesis, right? No, 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 no. All right. Now, verse 5 through 13, and let me start by saying this. 
finish this sentence for me. God helps those. God helps those who help themselves. You know it. And when you've heard that, and if you ever hear that, you just say to someone, show me where that is in the Bible. I'm just curious. I've heard people say that. Where is that? It's a proverb or Ecclesiastes. Where is that? They go, what's in there? God helps those who help themselves. If you want God to help you, you have to do something for him. Really? My Bible says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My Bible says, you know what? You, you can come as just as you are. You have nothing. You, have, you don't have anything to offer. It's not like God needs you, anything you have to offer, right? God helps those who help themselves. Hey, if you're single, you got to go out looking. How are you ever going to find a spouse if you don't go look? Oh, I used to hear that all the time. People tell me, you just ain't looking. I said, let me tell you what, I assure you I'm looking, all right? <coughs> I'm just not running around all these crazy places looking, right? Well, God helps those who help themselves. That's a works mentality. Like if you do this, then God will do that. And then if you do this, then God will do that. And then if you do this, then God will do that. Well, I don't know about that thing. It's faulty logic. Philippians 1.6 says this, and I'm sure that God who began a good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished on that day when Jesus, uh, when Jesus Christ returns. Okay, so verse 5 through 13, and this is God helps those who help themselves. That's what this is. So it says, Rebecca was listening. Now, you get the idea that this family is like, you know, like, man, this, this family, by the time we're done, they could be on Jerry Springer. I don't even know if Jerry Springer is still a show or not. Is this, is this still a show? I don't even know. I mean, they, they, they could be like, and now we have Jacob and Esau and Rebecca. Woo-wee. Talk about a wild one. Tune in next. You know, Jacob and Esau are fighting, you know, or something. I don't know. Rebecca was listening, so she's, she's, you get the idea that Rebecca's just kind of like, wait, 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 what was that? What? She's sneaking around her own house. What? What's going on? You know, like, oh, Rebecca, would you relax? Golly. Right? That's what she's doing. She's listening while Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game to bring home, Rebecca said to her son, Behold, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, saying, Bring me some game. And prepare a savory dish for me that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. That, that's interesting. She adds that. Now, therefore, my son, listen to me as I command you. Go to the fee, uh, flock and bring me two choice kids from there that, I'm, that I may prepare them as a savory dish for your father such as he loves. Then you shall bring it to your father that he may eat so he may bless you before his death. And Jacob answered his mother, Rebekah, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. Yeah, see, he's the man of the tent. He's the man hanging around. Mama, what are we going to do today? You know, Esau's outside, like, grinding it out, right, smelling all nasty. Esau, you know, you not, you not only could hear him coming, but you smell him. You know, ooh, Esau, come on, take a shot. Esau, if he was your son, he'd be the son you'd have to say, when is the last time you showered, boy? Come on. Right? That was Esau. Nasty. Don't go in there. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. Uh, I'm a smooth man. Yeah, he is. He's a little too smooth, actually. 
verse 12, perhaps my father will feel me, then I shall be as a deceiver in his sight, and I shall bring, my, bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, your curse be on me. Ooh-wee! She has no idea what she just said. You know, be careful when you say that. Only obey my voice and go get them for me. Man, what is wrong with her? Okay. I mean, I mean, it's okay to want your children to prosper, but this is crazy. So she adds this. She says, that I may, in verse 7, that I may eat and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. See, first of all, uh, Isaac never said that. Uh, spiritual darkness or dimness to sin will cause us to think that God doesn't see our sin or that we can escape his presence. See, see, she's, she's saying that Isaac said uh, that I may bless you before the presence of the Lord, but she's not thinking that she's in the presence of the Lord and God sees her all scheming and conniving. She doesn't equate that. Spiritual darkness or dimness or sin causes us to think God doesn't see our sin or that we can escape his presence. Jonah took a trip to Tarshish thinking he could escape the presence of the Lord. Okay? We can't. See, we think when we come to church on Wednesday night, this is the presence of the Lord is here. And then we think when we walk out, it's not. Newsflash, it's every bit as with us when we're in the depravity of our sin as when we're in here with our hands up praising the Lord. God is right there. We don't leave, we can't, David said, where can I go from your presence? We can't hide his presence. And, and I think, I think if, we, if we had a conscious, if we put it in our mind to remember that what we say, what we think, what we do, that God is there, we'd be like, oh, my goodness, I cannot say that. I can't do that. If we would remember that. But we forget, and we get caught up in this worldliness, and we forget that the Lord is grieved at our sin. And so listen to this. You know, we're good at calling things other than what they really are. Aren't we good at that as people? I mean, we'll say, well, it wasn't really a lie. It was like a white lie. As if there's a difference between the two. Right? And we call homosexuality an alternative lifestyle. Alternative? Okay. We say someone who's promiscuous is, they're sexually free. Listen, the, the sexual revolution is over and women have lost. So have men, and so have our children. Someone commits adultery, and we say they're having an affair, as if that's supposed to be a good thing. Why don't you see in verse 12, he says, Perhaps my father will, Jacob, my father will feel me, then I shall be as a deceiver in his sight, and I shall bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. You know what? This could all go wrong, Mom. And Dad will think I'm a deceiver. No, Jacob, you are a deceiver. In fact, you're a liar. That's <laughs> what you are. Listen, the path to repentance begins with the truth of your own condition. Can you say amen to that? The path to repentance begins, well, I mean, it begins with a brokenness, you know, and a realization that you're separate from God. But it begins with a, with a, uh, uh, with a truth the truthfulness about your condition. And then you confess that to the Lord. And then you get yourself accountable. Hey, listen, 
you, you recognize, listen, this is, I'm, I'm flirting with this thing. This is not good. This is, this is not, uh, you know what? You know, no, I am a liar. No, I am a cheater. No, I am an alcoholic. No, I am a drug addict. No, I am a, a, addicted to pornography. No, I am these things. That's what I am. And you recognize that. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, AA, I don't know all the precepts of AA, but that's one of the top things, right? You got to recognize that. And that's true. That We call that repentance. And it begins, it begins you on that path, and then you confess it, and then you bring it out into the light. You tell somebody else about it. I heard about a book. Write this down. Called Clean. Uh, Dr. Weiss. W-E-I-S-S. I before E except that. It could be I. Yeah, W-E-I-S-S. It's called Clean. And it is a book about bringing pornography and, and, the, and the addictions and the flurry, bringing it out in the light in the church. And men being clean before the Lord. I thought, ooh, man, he gave some statistics. These are like bread. Because I used to do all that when I was a youth pastor. I could tell you everything about all that. And I kind of not so much anymore about the number of, of, of people in the church that, and, and in the church. And it's just crazy. So more on that later. Clean. Okay. But there's a realization that, man, I have a problem with this thing. And this man said that 25 years ago, the Lord spoke to him audibly and said, you have a pornography addiction, you need to tell somebody. And he was in Bible school. And he said, well, who am I supposed to tell? He goes, tell your roommate. And he told his roommate. And now it's accountable, it's in the light. That's good. That takes humility, though. Because the deeds, the deeds of the flesh, so many of them are done in darkness. Whether it's the darkness of our own mind, or the darkness when no one else is around. You bring it out into the light, it gets exposed. Woo! We're on the path, folks. We're on the path. Well, verse 14 through 17. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebecca took the best garments of Esau, her elder son, which were with... Uh, uh, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids on his hands, on the smooth part of his neck. And she also gave the savory food and the bread which she had made to her son Jacob. Shocking. This is insane. I mean, he's got on all of these, these skins to make him look like he's hairy. It's insane. It's like, man, what is wrong with you? Have you lost your mind? It's shocking. Here stands the patriarch, Jacob, a descendant of the Lord Jesus Christ, a uh, 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 forefather, dressed in deceit. It's unthinkable. It's unthinkable. It's like, this is crazy. And Mama's right there. This was her idea. Great question. Who's worse? Right. Verse 18 through 22. Then he came to his father and said, Are you kidding me? What if Esau comes back and says, Fool, what are you doing? Trying to be me. Get out of here. I mean, I mean there's, this is it's, it's hilarious. But it just shows you where our hearts are. And he came to his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you? My son? Okay, and I want, you to, I want you to keep track 
of, of how many opportunities he has to come clean, you know, and get this ridiculous clothing off, and how many times he lies. Okay, try to keep track if you can, all right? I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Get up, please sit up, and eat of my game, that you may bless me. It's not your game, anyway. Your mama made it. And Isaac said to his son, how is it you, you have it so quickly, my son? Okay, right there. You got a chance to come clean, bro. Because he's already going, this is strange, man. You don't normally come back that quickly. And he said, because the Lord your God caused it to happen. Now he's dragging the Lord in this. Oh, no, man. God, God's blessing me. No, he's not. And Isaac said to Jacob, please come close. See, he's suspicious. I mean, his eyes may be dim, but he ain't crazy. It, it, Please come close, and I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. There's another opportunity for him to say, you know what, Dad? Hold on, Dad. No, it's Jacob. I'm, this is not happening. No. He goes along with it. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Wow. What was that like, that step toward his father, knowing this could go horribly wrong. He said he'll put a he'll call a curse on me. Hey, it seems that his only concern is whatever works. As long as I get the blessing, I don't care how foolish this looks. And he has no idea that eons later you and I be reading this story. He justifies his actions by thinking his sinful actions are fulfilling the promise of God. No, this is the Lord's work. This is, I'm fulfilling God's promise. Maybe. I don't know. Um, verse 23. We'll just kind of. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, are you really my son Esau? There's another opportunity. It's not too late now. And he says, I am. Isaac is like, man, are you? So, verse 25, so he said, bring it to me, and I will eat of my son's game, that I may bless you. And he brought it to him, and he ate. And he also brought him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said to him, please come close and kiss me, my son. Yeah. You know, nobody smelling like Esau smells. There's another opportunity. And his father, Isaac, said to him, please come close and kiss me, my son. Um, so Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, verse 22, and, and felt him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. There's a character in MS, Ernest Hemingway's novel, Death in the Afternoon, that's probably expressing Hemingway's conviction uh, when he says this. He says, I know only that what is moral is what you feel good after 
and what is immoral is what you feel bad after. And you know what? I think a lot of people would agree with that today. What is moral is what you feel good after, and what is immoral is what you feel bad after. A lot of decisions are made solely on how people feel. And there's the old expression, if it feels good, do it. Which has nothing to do with consequences and has nothing to do with how that might hurt somebody else. Basically, hedonism. Well, verse 27 through 33, he came close and kissed him, and then he smelled the smell of his garments. He blessed him and said, oh, oh, he got it. Jacob has the blessing. Listen to this. Now may God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and an abundance of grain and new wine. May peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master of your brothers. Oh. And may your mother's sons bow down to you. Oh. Cursed be those who cursed you, and blessed are those. Hey, we remember that from the Abrahamic covenant. And blessed are those who bless you. Verse 30, now it came about as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, that Jacob had hardly gone out of the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Oh, boy. And he made savory food and brought it to his father, and he said to his father, let my father arise and eat of of his son's game that you may bless me. And Isaac, his father, said to him, Who are you? (laughs) And he said, I'm your your son, your firstborn Esau. In verse 33, And Isaac trembled violently. And you have to get the context. That's that's literally the Hebrew word. It was a a trembling like he was shaking. And said, Who then, who was he then that hunted game and brought it to me? So that I ate of it, uh, ate all of it before you came, and blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. Isaac experienced Abraham's faith and willingness to place his prized possession second after God. What was Abraham's prized possession? Isaac. Now, Isaac feels the sting of his favorite being first place, not second. He puts his love for Esau above God. Because he knew that the promise was that the younger would serve the older, but he still, for whatever reason, wants to bless the older. And now he feels the sting of it, which might be why he trembled violently. Verse 34 through 36, when Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. And he said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And behold, now he's taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Listen, he took away your birthright? Dude, you sold your birthright. You didn't even care about it. You sold your birthright for a bowl of lentil soup. Now, he seems more remorseful than sorrowful. He's not concerned about being right with God at all, but he's concerned about receiving the blessings of God. 
Hebrews 12, 15. You can turn there if you like to. We read it last week. Hebrews 12, 15 through 17. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for a morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Isn't that interesting? The writer to the Hebrews says, Esau found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears, because he didn't want to be right with God. He just wanted the blessing of God. So he did not find repentance. Verse 41 through 46, well, um, verse 37, but Isaac, uh, Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him your master and all his relatives I have given to him as servants. And with grain and new wine I have sustained him. Now as for you, what can I do, my son? And Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me, uh, even me also, O my father. So Esau lifted his voice and wept. There it is. Hebrews 12, 17. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Here we go. Okay, you want it? You got it. Behold, away from the fertility of the earth shall be your dwelling. You're going to be a wanderer, dude. You're not going to live in the city. You're going to live in like Baker or stuff. No, Baker. Baker. It. And away, away from the dew of heaven from above. So there'll be barrenness. Well, and by your sword you shall live. And your brother, and your brother you shall serve. Tell a young, tell an older brother his younger brother's gonna serve. Tell the firstborn older brother his younger brother's gonna serve him. Oh, it's on. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Not what he was expecting. But he's speaking truth, though. But it shall come about when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So there's going to be a time when you'll break free. Wow. Okay, so verse 41, so Esau bore a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to him, the days of mourning of my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. Ah, okay. Now, when the words of the elder son, Esau, were reported back to Rebecca, because Rebecca knows what's going on in her house. Well, you go ahead and whisper it in secret. I'm going to find out. <laughs> she sent and called her younger son, Jacob, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau is consoling himself concerning you and by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice and arise, flee to Haran, to my brother Laban. You remember Haran, right? And stay with him a few days until your brother, uh, listen, listen, verse 44, stay with him a few days until your brother's fury subsides. Until your brother's anger against you subsides and he forgets what you did to him. Oh, he ain't gonna forget. I don't know what she's thinking. Like he gonna forget that. You got my birthright and my blessing? Yeah, come back around here again and see what happens. 
that I shall send and get you from there, why should I be bereaved of you both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, verse 46, I am tired of living because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife from the daughters of Heth, like these, from the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? That's just kind of an interesting, she's, I don't know. I mean, Abraham made sure his son got a wife. Uh, Jacob, uh, uh, Isaac worried about a bowl of stew. What do we make of all this? First of all, Esau planned to kill Jacob as soon as Isaac dies. Forty-three years is a long time to hold revenge in your heart. Because that's how long it would be till they see, till these two see each other again. Forty-three years is a long time to harbor revenge, bitterness, and anger in your heart. You know, as followers of Jesus, we can't do that. Or we might be angry at a situation, but we cannot have unforgiveness in a situation. We are, we are required by the Lord to work towards forgiveness and to let things go and therefore to be set free. There's no indication that Esau ever <laughs> did that. We'll get to him later on. All right, so Jacob's got the birthright, and now he's got the blessing. Great. You got it, dude. You got what you wanted. And you and your mom swindled it out of Isaac. Isaac, by the way, is feeling pretty nice as a dad, right? Like a failure, maybe. You know, it's wrong to have favorites. He tried to circumvent the will of the Lord by doing it his own way. He's got the blessing, though. Jacob's got He's got what he wanted. Is he happy? He got what he wanted. You got the birthright and the blessing. High five. Right? Mm. Esau would become Edom. When you read in the, in the Old Testament, the Edomites, that's Esau. And he's going to live by the sword. Jacob, uh, uh, Isaac said. And the Edomites will build their nation at a place called Mount Seir, S-E-I-R. And they were the constant enemies of Israel. During David's reign, they were still subject to this lineage of Jacob. Uh, but in 2 Kings chapter 8, in the days of a king named Joram, Edom would revolt from under the rulership of Judah. So just like Isaac said, they would break free of that yoke. And they did. Now Jacob's on the run. Grab something selfishly, and no matter how much we succeed, we'll never be satisfied. He's on the run now. You, you, you remember that, right? Pack your bags, go hang out with my brother Laban for a few days, all this anger will, will subside, then I'm come, I'll come and send for you. Okay? Um, we can choose our choices, but we cannot choose our consequences. That was something I used to say to the youth all the time. You make your cho you, you're free to choose your God will let you choose your choices, but you cannot choose your consequences. I used to tell them, before you act impulsively and you do something that there's a, there, there's a, little, 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 a little flash of electricity 
in your spirit that that's not right, wait and think about what might go wrong and then assume that it will. And then, therefore, think about whether it's worth it or not. Right? Like uh, I read the other day, someone said that, a, or I heard on the radio, someone said, a dog can eat a skunk, but is it really worth the effort? That was good. Sin appears to have a small price tag. Do you think that if if Rebecca knew that she would never see her son again, that she wouldn't have done that? She'll never see him again. That's the last time she sees her son. She sends him away and he's gone. I wonder about that. She said a few days, she never saw him again. Her boy that she loved so much and that she placed before the Lord. Wow. How sad. Now, let me wrap it up with this, because I think it's interesting. And then I want some insight from you as we close. The uh, Boyce said this, a Bible expositor. The point is that the sovereign will of God is done in spite of our or any other person's opposition to it. The bottom line was, as crazy as all of this stuff was, God still had his way. Right? Who got the birthright? Who got the blessing? The man that was supposed to have it. And so maybe sometimes we could think of, like, the craziness of our life. And the things that we've done and the things that we've been and the places that we maybe once were, and we could think, you know what, God, if you're sovereign, then you know, may your will be done in my life too. And, and, and may what you want to take place in my life take place in spite of me or, or anything of my past. And so in spite of all of this craziness, God had his way. Lord, may you have your way in my life in spite of the craziness of my life as well. His will was done. And then just one little note in closing that, you know what? All of this drama could have been bypassed because it was already his anyway. It was already his. God already promised him that. I mean, this man and his mama fought so much to get something that they already had. Mm, what could have been? The story could have been different, right? Well, that's enough for now. Anybody want to add anything? Uh, anything, any wisdom or insight that, that you saw or heard that, 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 that God maybe spoke to you kind of as we close tonight? Could you do this just so we can all hear you? About a year ago, on a Wednesday night, a young man was, was teaching. And um, just, just to give you a backdrop, um, I, I met my husband when I was 14 years old. And I was determined to marry this man from the time I was five with my brother. And I can understand what Jacob did. Not understand it, I, I know what Jacob did. And I sort of, and, and I'm saying I would go visit, had a sister that lived in the town, I always make sure I was there. But the thing is that I ended up marrying this man. And for over 30 years, I didn't know, but one night I was sitting there, the young man was teaching, and all of a sudden we, were, we had a time of prayer. We had a time of prayer. And I asked God, I said, I, 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 I 
feel like I deceived my husband along the way. You know, God said, he said, you know what, Jacob thought he deceived me too, but I always, I had a plan. It was my plan all the way. You know, sometimes we can, the, it can work out for, for God's glory, but the plan, the, the, the process of doing it, for over 30 years, I felt like I had deceived my husband. I felt, you know, I just, I, and I felt like, you know, maybe he really doesn't love me as much as, as I think, because, you know, he really doesn't know how much I've deceived him. And, and, and God spoke that to me, and I tell you from that, some things open up that, that had never opened up before. I mean, I felt a freedom. There was a freedom. I, I felt released. God's plan. Circumstances, yes. But God's plan. The wives of both of these led this program. Lot's wife was not a good woman. I mean, she, she led Lot. She, she didn't want to have Lot have anything to do with Abraham's program. She wanted to go live in the city. She wanted this. She wanted that. And it all came to a head. And here's this woman leading her son against the Amen. Lord, bless the going forth of your word and the fellowship in Christ Jesus. Accomplish what your word is designed to accomplish within us, O oh God. Let it speak through us throughout the week. And um, Lord, that you would that you would protect your children in this valley. We know that Halloween is crazy. There's weird stuff that goes on. We're not ignorant of those things, God. We ask that you would protect set your angels about your kids, that we wouldn't have to open up the newspaper and read about some tragedy. Lord, and let your, I know there's lots of harvest festivals all over the city, God. May your word go forth, and may people draw near to you through these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.